Thank you for tuning in to What A World Podcast, episode four. This is part one of three with David Hall. David is a music engineer and producer here in Nashville. In this episode, he talks about getting started in the music business in the early 90s, uh, the importance of mentors, and in his case, being mentored by legendary music engineer Chuba Petich, and the importance of standing with someone as they are grieving the loss of loved ones. Be sure to check out whataworldpodcast.com. Leave a note and tell me what you think. I would love to hear from each and every one of you. And with that, here is episode four with David Hall. So I'm sitting here with David Hall. He is a multi-Grammy winning music engineer and producer who has worked on more studios than most people could hope to see in a lifetime. He has earned countless accolades and worked with producer giants such as Quincy Jones, Joe Ciccarelli, and was personally mentored by Chuba Pettitz. Yeah. Okay. Uh, his versatility in music production is so vast that he has worked on everything from orchestral pieces to heavy rock and everything in between. He's worked on projects for, <laughs> for such artists as... Mariah Carey, Usher, Tim McGraw, Mary J. Blige, Etta James, Leanne Rimes, Kenny Rogers, Hank Williams, Leonard Skinner, Iron Maiden, Frank Sinatra, and the list keeps going. Needless to say, David is one of the most hardworking men in Nashville and is a man of many talents, as well as one of the most funny and quirky engineers that I have had the pleasure for working with. <laughs> and welcome, David. Thank you, Randall. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So I'm listening to the, the bio there, and um, I should have told you this when we were talking. So there's another David Hall, and he's a New York. Most of those are right. Okay. <laughs> um, but that David Hall, the other David Hall, um, produced Mariah. Okay. I have no idea who, I, I know that that David Hall didn't do Iron Maiden, because it's out of his genre completely. Yeah. Uh, but also you'll see, I was a hair stylist for the Supremes. <laughs> See that's what that's what I was looking for your your discography and I yeah I couldn't figure out if it was the right one. Or... Yeah, I mean you when you started with David Hall with Mariah Carey, it's like oh no, oh, <laughs> let's stop it right now because I got to pull up the good one for you. But but yeah, you you carried um, the Hank Williams and all the other stuff was was right. Okay, yeah. so yeah. just Mariah and, Carey, not um, Mariah Carey, The Supremes. I don't play drums, so uh, Antigua band i'm in there for drums okay and um there's some good ones in there yeah that are i'll take them um, but well so that out of the way um <laughs> uh, one of the things i i like to cover with people is uh the importance of teachers and mentors and i know that chubba i believe was probably your like main mentor that kind of taught you almost everything you know yeah. uh what was it like working with chubba chubba was uh, just incredible he uh he's a transplant from la and he moved here to nashville 92 or 93 and um I, just the pedigree yeah. You know, my my tree is so much bigger because of his tree and who he learned under yeah. and then who they learned under. 
it it was kind of the last uh, my generation was kind of the last generation of coming up through that system of having uh, being an intern and then being a runner then being an assistant and working your way up to that spot yeah. learning all the way up that spot um and you know just with budgets that's just not there and and technology changed yeah. too you didn't have to you don't have to have an assistant for anything really except for tracking um so chubba um it was seven years i worked for chubba for seven years and richard land has brought chubba in town to work on a record and i was working at i was hanging out at music mill there's a couple studios um that was how I got jobs as an assistant is I would just go and hang out in the yeah. lounge <laughs> and I got to know the uh, receptionist and I'd get to know the studio manager and, and just hanging, just being, and that, that really was that right place at the right time kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I was hanging out at music mill and um, Landis and Chuba had a tracking date in a couple of days and studio manager came down and they didn't have an assistant. And so, first person he sees is me and I'm there I'm present I'm accounted for and um he said hey uh what are you doing the next two or three days on this date nothing uh would you like to track with an out-of-town engineer um et cetera, et cetera. yeah absolutely all right see you on Thursday uh, I'll, I'll share the contact info for the engineer it's some guy named Chubb Cassaba? Cassaba. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Cassaba. Oh, that's weird. I guess, but he's from out of town. Okay, fine. So, uh, the first record, the first time I worked with, with Cheba was at Music Mill, and it was just a one-off. Um, and then, Lannis brought him in to do a Laurie Morgan record. And somehow, he had, Cheba had, um, got him got himself in front of the the Beckett camp Barry Beckett and uh, and Beckett at that time had Masterphonic Studio 6 on lease like a lockdown a yearly uh, that was his spot he okay. loved working in that room yeah and so um, he had first call because of just lockout and Masterphonics was one of those studios that I would hang out at yeah. and so I was hanging out on the counter talking to the receptionist whatever um, and studio manager walks out hey David hey um hey what are you doing next Thursday and Friday it's always gonna be a Thursday um, <laughs> why am I talking to the microphone like this <laughs> I'm looking at the microphone <laughs> listeners um, and you know same thing as as music mill I was um, I uh Oh, nothing. I'm available. So I worked with him the second time, and, you know, he comes back. Uh, I think I called him for setup and all. And so it, just out of irony, con that word. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Synchronicity? Uh, yeah. Something like that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was like, hey, didn't we do something last month or two months ago? Yeah. Okay, cool. Here's my setup. X, Y, and Z. And from that second session that he had gotten with Beckett, we locked. Yeah. And um, 
I was a social butterfly at Masterphonics. Uh, so I would, th there was like three receptionists and Benny and Glenn were the mastering guys and they were back in their back room and Tommy was over here. And so throughout the day when I wasn't doing anything actively, I would just wander and, and just be a butterfly. Just be a guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and hang out and, and with an ear open, David. And the studio manager at the time, her name is Lisa Roy and she was married to Chuba. Okay. And Lisa, like I said, I think this was like a year in of working with Chuba. So we had a relationship. We He understood my workflow and I understood his workflow. And our our personalities were just starting to get in sync, but they're still rough spots. Lisa pulls me into her office one day when I'm in, out doing butterfly work. She closes the door and she goes, listen, I'm the studio manager here. I know you're freelance, but you're working with my husband. Why are you out wandering? If, you, if you're being employed by this client, you're with that client. Yeah. And she, <laughs> she got down on me hard. And, you know, I went back. Yes, yes, ma'am. Went back with my tail between my legs. And, and um, it was one of those corrections of love. Mm -hmm. And I've told Lisa this multiple times throughout the years that that I just appreciate her being that that direct, yeah. and frank, because quite honestly, she didn't have to. Yeah. And, you know, there there's a lot of assistance out there. And so she she invested. That was the big word. She invested in me. And um, and so from that first year, I worked with him. Our our main clientele was Barry Beckett and Barry Beckett, <laughs> and, but we did some Tony Brown stuff and some more Landis stuff, yeah. and uh, but Barry was our main client, and Barry was on fire at that time. That was in, right in the middle '90s, and uh, so we did a lot. Of, we would work three or four months straight, eighty-hour weeks, and then take a week off. And then wow. we would, and like, that's Monday through Monday. Yeah. And, you know, we would take some breaks off, like Christmas and, and the traditional breaks. But I remember sleep, uh, working Christmas Eve a couple times. <laughs> I remember working once Easter, once. Yeah. That, that did not go well. Um, and just sitting with somebody for that amount of time every day, you get to know them. Yeah. And you get to know them intimately mm -hmm. it, it's a cliche but it's true you get to know them better than their wives yeah uh in in some ways yeah um <laughs> not every way not, not every way <laughs> just some ways uh and so he was just real real special for me uh he when he would have somebody come in from la or when somebody would come in from la uh and be working uh in nashville a chubba would uh he would trade me off like a a redheaded whore. It's like, hey, here, use my guy. Here's it, yeah. I'm like, but can I? But but yours is cooler than than Mike Shipley's. Wait a minute, it's Mike Shipley? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Hey, Mike. <laughs> my name's David. What do you need? <laughs> and uh, and he did that with Shipley. He did that with uh, Chris Lord Allergy and a couple other uh, Joe Ciccarelli. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe and Chuba were real close, and um, and so when Chuba started producing, Joe he hired Joe to come in and engineer for him. Um, and just in that legacy of mentorship, that hopefully that'll illustrate just how deep that tree goes because yeah. now all of a sudden I'm, I'm working for a week or two weeks or three weeks with Mike Shipley and all of his knowledge and all of his tree, Mutt Lang, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Joe Ciccarelli and all his people. And so I get that knowledge. I was given that knowledge just by the splintering of the, of the mentor tree. Yeah. So it's and, almost like Chuba knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was, like I said, we we were real, we just were with each other so much. Yeah. Um, hopefully you can kind of figure out. You, I know that you can stay with my little bouncing arounds of stories, and I try to come back and close the gap. But if I don't, <laughs> happy editing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, when I when I finally left and started engineering. Chuba at like year six, Chuba had pulled me aside and we were at lunch or something. And he said, mate, he was Australian, uh, mate, it's going to be soon, but you're going to need to go out on your own. You're going to need to start engineering on your own. Uh, and he gave me the story of, uh, Capitol records and how there's a, there's a window of time where you can be an, an assistant and not have that stamped on you. Mm-hmm. And if you go past that expiration date, you will always be known as an assistant. Even if you're engineering, you will always be known with your peers as, oh yeah, you were an assistant for Chubba, right? Yeah. Instead of, oh yeah, you're an engineer for X, Y, Z. And Professional so that, assistant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he told me the story of, of these assistants at Capital that were driving around in Porsches. You know, they were 40-year-old guys and had a family and had all of these uh, things that they had to pay for that they couldn't, at that point, they'd box themselves into a corner and they couldn't take that risk of restarting your, or taking the next step, taking the next step. Yeah. Which means going from a hundred percent capacity of clients down to 20 or 30 and booking, you know, building, building. your, building your book. Yeah. Um, and so Chuba took me to lunch and he told me I'm going to be in about just know that in about a year less than a year uh, I'm going to be kicking you out of the nest yeah and he said it's going to suck for me because when I on a tracking date I come sit down I push faders microphones are all set you know <laughs> yeah. all, it's I'm going to have to reteach or teach somebody else but you need to go and so wow. that was that last year working with him I didn't ever look at it like a, a countdown to the to the kickout, but I knew it was coming. And um, so at, at the end of that time period, uh, it was like, hey, at the end of this uh, record that we're working on. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And I think during that time, I know during that time, I had brought in another, a friend of mine who was an assistant, but a younger assistant and I was transition training him 
yeah. for what to do for transition. And as an assistant, we were so busy that, that we would get double booked. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, but it, it was the producer. Like Barry would double book himself. Oh, man. And so he would have tracking at Woodland on this band. But he also had another record going on doing overdubs over at Master Phonics. And as a producer, you can kind of do that. You can you can have two or three plates spinning because... If you have the right people. Yeah, because yeah. you need to be there for the tracking date. Mm -hmm. In Nashville, at that time, the engineer and the players produced the records. Because they still do. Yeah. But during that time, it was... It was... Uh, pr the profit was having multiple records in the air for okay. the producer. And so that was where, how the double booking would happen. And so Chubb would go over and get sounds on the overdubs. Uh, if we were doing steel guitar or something, he'd go over and, and just present himself. Mm. And then he'd go, best of luck to you, and go over to the tracking date. And so that was how I was starting to transition into engineering and Chuba had this level of confidence in me because he he started setting me up and then eventually he's like, hey, Friday, no, Thursday, because <laughs> it's always Thursday. Uh, Thursday, we're going to be doing this and I'm going to have uh, Glenn assisting me on tracks at Woodland. I need you to go over and do guitar overdubs with Dan and do you care what Mark? No, just use what we always use, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so i i had I had a a book. I was starting to build my book of clients. Cheba pushes me out the nest. Best of luck to you. See you at lunch. And the first record out was Ronnie Millsap, <laughs> and that record it lasted a year. Yeah. And on average, we worked like four days a week for a year. Wow, <laughs> and it, it you know because it's Ronnie. Ronnie is a real tweaky guy, and and he likes to get really deep into the sticks with technology and and just trying. Uh, so we worked on that record, and I did a couple little things, but that was the bulk of it. Then the record was done, and I didn't have any clients. I didn't have I didn't have any any thought of preparing for closure of this project what do you have ready for the next project yeah for the for the transition so i sat at home for a couple of weeks or something and uh called chubb up and i said hey i know i'm out of the nest but i'm dying over here i need some work can i come back and and assist mate no damn <laughs> And, and I talked myself into it, you know, I, some, whatever that story was. And he goes, all right, one condition, you're here no longer than one year at the one year mark, hopefully before, but at one year you're done. Yeah. I'm real serious about you not wanting you being stamped as a professional assistant. And during that year, I learned more during that year working under Chuba than I had the seven years prior. Yeah. Um, so it's precious time. <laughs> well, you know, part of it is also... Oh, please. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> I had that remember, but I can't remember what I, where I was going. Uh, 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 one year. Uh, well, part of that was during that record working with with uh, Millsap. I was okay, but I was so green on just some of the the little, little finite, real focused stuff. Yeah, the nuanced yeah. stuff. One would be you know client, how to interact with the client. Because mm-hmm. as an assistant, you have a different inter- interaction. Even if you're real close to that client, there's just a different interaction. You're you're not in the inside. You're still yeah. you're in the studio with them, but you're not inside that intimate. You're not circle. driving the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so there were certain things that I had thought that I knew that that I thought that I knew uh, technically working on Ronnie's record, and I was just like, oh crap. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, but I would confidently, I would do whatever it was. Yeah. But I realized that, oh man, I know that Chubb has done this multiple times. And I know I've set it up multiple times, but I don't know (laughs) what the practical purpose of it is. And so for the next year, I, uh, I, I wrote down and documented, still have it over here. Okay. And I would write down in my book to, uh, 1999. So, I officially went full. I'm glad I saw that. I officially went full uh, engineer, full time engineer, uh, in 2000, 2001. Yeah. But in this book, there's EQ points. Yeah. This is from the uh, the Neve of Ocean Way. So I'm handwriting <laughs> uh, what the EQ points are on on drums. Uh, what vocal setups are and this was my little book of of documentation and i need to go back through this now and look through it because i just now thumbing through it saw a couple things that i'd forgotten about (laughs) um so that year what i did is i i watched and so really soaked it really soaked it in so like so what is the angle of what's the purpose of the angle of this microphone like a hi-hat microphone yeah i would set microphones up on tracking dates and even get gain straight gain stages set for Chaba, but he still was EQing and he, it was still the processing was between his ears. Yeah. And, um, and so that was the little, little nuances that I was after that you didn't realize you didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just yeah. took it for granted. Yeah. Absolutely took it for granted. And then after that, I think, uh, we did, uh, during that return year, we did John Michael Montgomery, Mindy McCready, and somebody else. And I left mid Mindy Mindy record. That was the end of that that time period. Yeah. And you know, the reality is I should have probably just stayed through that project and then left. But it was taking a long time to work on this record, and um, and so that was. That was when I officially went, and he he officially kicked me out, and <laughs> yeah. officially, 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 yeah. And uh, I have nothing. I have so many beautiful stories and and funny stories, and and also just charity. Um, he was just a beautiful man that that uh, I learned a lot technically from him, but I think more importantly, I learned how to how to be around clients. And how to socially interact, and understand the the dynamics in a control room. 
and you know learn when, how to be a, a leader. Yeah, uh, <laughs> learn how to be a leader, but also learn your place. Okay. You know, in that hierarchy of even if the producer's not there and you're in standing in the gap. Yeah. Just the the placement of where, not blame, but placement of praise goes. That's not the right word, but the the hierarchy, the ladder. Credit. Yeah, and how to listen to the client, and how to be just basically how to maneuver and and know your place in a studio in in that studio setting and he was really good at communicating to new clients and and just being present and and being in the conversation whatever that conversation was yeah i learned a i learned a ton from yeah <laughs> it sounds like it and i'm i'm <laughs> speaking of him in the past tense uh he passed away Four years ago, five years ago, looking for a marker. Um, yeah, he had battled. Five. Was it? I think around five years ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he had battled a cancer uh, for multiple years, and it finally got him. Um, and when we we did a memorial, he was back in L.A. when he when he passed, and we did a memorial here about a month month and a half after he had passed, where all of the uh, his Nashville friends showed up and, and, um, it was me, Lisa, his wife, and about three other people, Nicole Cochran, Sharon Corbett, Frank Wells, Lisa, and there's two other, two or three other people. Um, we put it together, this event, and it was just, it was a huge event. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, I had, I hate public speaking, but I knew that I was, that was, I knew that I was going to have to. Yeah. So I had prepared a bunch of, of notes. Um, not even any, just, just bullet points. Cause that's all, all I need is just something to look down and, and get me back on track. Yeah. Should have done that here. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I remember Standing in the back of the room, it was at RCA Studio A, big room. It was full of of peers and friends and and uh, family, and I was sitting in the back of the room. And as each person would come up and speak, I would remember another funny story, and so I would jot it over on the margin of my bullet notes. And then, oh, oh I forgot about that one. I'd write it over here on this margin, and I would. Uh, by the time it was my turn, my first page, it's just like two pages of notes, but my first page was just this mess of remembrance. And I got up and started speaking and, um, and I was already off the cuff because it, they're, they're intimate stories to me. All yeah. I have to, like I said, all I have to do is have a little pointer yeah. and about, uh, probably about a quarter of the way through my speech. I just turned to the crowd and went off off script completely. And I looked out in the crowd and whoever was right in front of me, because, you know, all eyes are on you. It's like, ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> avert your eyes. Don't look at me. Y'all are naked. Um, I looked over and, and I'd see Frank Wells and I would just point him out and go, Frank, remember that time that I post that I uh, put post-it notes all over Studio 6? All over it. Like we went through about 10 packs of post-it notes. Yeah, I remember that. And you'd hear him, yeah, yeah, that wasn't a good day. <laughs> and then I would turn to 
uh, Mark Bright and I say, hey, Mark, remember that session where Chubba threw the chair over the console and you were absolutely just freaked out about that? Yeah. I also remember telling him that that'll never happen again. <laughs> yeah, it was good times. And so I was just all, you know, for the body of my speech, I, that's what I was doing. Just I was pointing just, out people. Like, yeah. yeah. And, but those were all because of those little memories that I had written in the margin. Yeah. And I think I did finally come around to my closure. My closing statement was with Lisa. And it was, mm -hmm. um, hey, all of you people out here, it's great that you're here. It's great that you're here to support Lisa. It's great for family and, and just that. What's really important though is the aftercare. And and I brought up a story of that I I don't know if it's true or not. I just love it because I think it's true. But I've always heard that when elephants travel, they travel as a as a pack. And if and travel long distance as a pack. And if somebody in the, or if, if an elephant in that grouping gets sick or gets injured or something the pack will come and surround it and with body and literally support that that weak animal yeah. with them as a as a caravan but they would you know be nudged up against and moving helping that that wounded shoulder to shoulder yeah. yeah and i said that's what lisa needs after this it doesn't matter a week from now it doesn't matter a month from now two months three months when when it's dark when there's nobody, all the presents are gone, all of the uh, responsibilities are gone, and, and you're just sitting at home. Yeah. And you have those flooding memories, flooded of memories of of um, just life. Mm -hmm. I said, that's when you need to get Lisa. That's when we need to do like the elephants and literally pick her up, lift her up, and go shoulder to shoulder. And that was my closing statement. Yeah. Um, just a special he was a special person all right thank you guys for tuning in that was episode four part one of three be sure to check in soon for the next installment and i will talk to you soon thank you so much for listening to what a world podcast i hope you got as much out of this episode as i did I want to invite you now to share, comment, rate, follow, all that good stuff that helps me out tremendously. You can even go to whataworldpodcast.com and donate to help keep What A World Podcast and blog up and running. Any help is appreciated, even if it's a kind word or criticism. I appreciate the time you've given me today, and it is a blessing to be able to do this at all. Have a great day, and you will be hearing from me next week. Thank you.